We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you on Thursday, the day of the trade deadline, about two hours after the deadline has passed. We're joined by Britt Robson of Min Post. Britt, the Wolves come out of the deadline without making any moves. Same 14 guys that were on the roster in Sacramento for these two games will be there in Chicago on Friday. Still an open roster spot, um, about 800K under the cap or under the tax. A Greg Monroe type signing could be coming. But this is this is pretty much the group. And as we talked about last week, you ordered your preferences. Correct me if I'm wrong. One first priority, first preference, standing pad at the deadline, not doing anything. Second preference, doing something substantial. Um, right to the top of the rotation, the starters, even probably maybe even of the big. Three. Well, the, the yeah, the, the home run hit. Right. You know, I mean, if uh, my point was, if you could have gotten Ben Simmons and put him between Cat and Ant, I I think that would have been worth mm-hmm. the disruption. Um, you know, and that means you probably would have had to trade, uh, maybe you know a lot, uh, yeah, you, some you, sort of a yeah. lot, yeah. And, and and actually, Marcus Smart for Beasley in a first rounder intrigued me. I don't know, you know. Again, I would put that rumors, in that same. I mean, but yeah, that before yeah. even getting into the the specifics tinkering of around rounds. the edges, you know. Uh, I don't know if um, that's where we disagree. That that's what that was would have been my yeah, my okay. preference in All that. Right. Um, probably, yeah. Actually, very different. I, I would have said number one, tinkering around the edges of the rotation. Would have been my, you know, number one idea if you could if you can make that happen. Two, well, you could have, I think. Yeah, I mean, I probably to to some extent, I don't really know any sort of specifics of what was or wasn't there. Um, just because I know you don't listen to the pod, but I said this, I said this last <laughs> night, and um, I want to bounce it off of you. What what I thought would have been the ideal move, and again not on the phone, not sure. not making the negotiation is given what this, how good this bench has been 
I think it made sense to make a move where you subtracted one player from the rotation or the fringe of the rotation. And so my sort of thinking was one or both of Nas Reed and Josh Akogi plus a second round pick or maybe two second round picks. They had three second rounders and they have three in this upcoming draft and trading that small pile of small assets for a first round pick because that kind of ties into my whole general view of how to build this thing out over the next you know two or three years of wanting to make a bigger move um, once you know more about this team come the summer and you have that you get that first round pick for the price of you know some very expendable second round picks and and at the cost of Josh Akogi and Nasri, two good guys, two big chemistry guys for the team. But I, I thought that made sense. Again, I don't know how practical that would have been, but I think that was was somewhat realistic. And then maybe, and then maybe you trade for some sort of backup center. That was that was my hope going into this. I'm definitely not right. destroyed by that not happening. Well, here's what we know. We know that the organization pre and post Gerson Rosas likes Nas Reed, which means that Chris Fitch likes Nas Reed. Um, and we know that because Greg Monroe was there on a platter. He's an interesting guy. He's gotten two 10 days since then. The second 10 day he got after the Wolves lasted 10 days. So he wasn't somebody that right. people were dying to secure, but you know, I was just messing around with stats the other day. I mean, he had like 11 assists in three games. He is an interesting guy, mm -hmm. you know. Um, he, is he quick enough to play the kind of defense they play? Probably not. Um, but Nas, you know, and, and, and anyway, here's, here's, the part that, uh, <laughs> here's the part that's really fascinating to me. Um, it's a funhouse mirror situation. Who do you think are the top two players in defensive rating since January 3rd? They've gone 13 and six and their net rating is like plus six in that period of time. Mm. Who do you think of the two that who were, who was on the court for the team's best defensive performances? Well, gathering by the hint, I'm going to say Nas Reed is one of the two. Nas is tops. Um, Guess who's second? Malik Beasley. Exactly. <laughs> guess who were 10th and 11? Well, actually, guess who were 9th and 10th? Like, I can tell you that Jalen Noel is 11th. Okay. Guess who were 9th and 10th? Like Vanderbilt and um, Patrick Beverly? Vanderbilt McDaniels. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, the, this whole... This whole month has been funhouse mirrors because yeah yeah and which is again yeah. I, I don't mean to jump down yeah, here no, whatever throw inter interrupt you but that's precisely why I think we just can't assume the bench is going to be on this great cruise control high quality I oh, think sure. that they may they may need some of these guys uh, you know I think if Okogi may come in handy um, and Nas. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. Nate Knight went in when, uh, you know, when, when, uh, Nas got hurt last night and they got him out of there as soon as possible. Yeah. And, it, you know, somebody went right at him right away and 
did you see that thing where he kind of like swiped both hands to try to oh, yeah. uh, block the shot and didn't get either one? I mean, so, and by the way, I like Nate Knight. Yeah. And, that, you know, and I, I, I uh, but I, I do think that, um, that like I a Greg Mo- have- like a Greg Monroe type would certainly go in the pecking order of the bigs over Nate Knight or like a, the names a lot of people are throwing out there. And we can touch on these because Jalen Smith. Yeah, well, that that was that was one. I think Moses Brown and his Cantor Freedom. The, I mean, that's kind of right. The Greg Monroe type of guys who will be. But Jalen Smith, from what I understand, is like, didn't he get involved in a deal? And now people are saying he might be a free agent. Well, I know he got his he got his like rookie contract option turned down. So he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And and so like he he just hasn't but had I, much did, quality. Did Phoenix trade him or something? I they did trade him. Said that- they did trade him. And now he's in Indiana, I believe. And and I think it, I read somewhere that Indiana is thinking about just cutting him. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see that. So there you go. I mean, there's your 15th roster spot for half that 800. Right. No, probably for, even a third of that 800. For, for sure. And I think what's what's interesting is we talk about this 15th roster spot and and i do hear you know the greg monroe type and i do think people can point to enos Cantor or moses brown and really good defensive rebounders but i've pointed to too but i think like the ideal type of big to have added at this deadline is somebody who can both rebound and get out and play at the level of screens be active in the defensive scheme obviously enos Cantor can't do that obvious moses brown can't do that Obvious Greg Monroe can't do that, but you're not going to get. I think Nate Knight can can do that a little bit. I don't, but but uh, he's more he's, he's more of a fast enough. Smith. Yeah, yeah, he's right. he's not fast enough. He's a little too like like I think if you put he's a him foul machine. Yeah, right. I think if you put him up at the level consistently, he gets the guard. He runs into the guard out there, and he gets like three blocking calls in you know fourteen minutes or something like that. Right. I I don't think he's. Anywhere, anywhere near fine-tuned enough to to play. I I think even if Nas or you know knock on wood, Cat got hurt, I don't know if if Finch would even how much he would even lean into. I know Knight played a lot during the COVID time, but that was full-on break glass in case of emergency. Like if somebody got hurt, if Nas or Cat got hurt, I think we definitely see a Greg Monroe type of player, you know, come in on this team, and that's why it would have. I mean, that's making the case to like, okay, Sasha Gupta, why didn't you go spend one of these three seconds you have to get someone that's maybe a tier above the canters and of the world? And I and right. I think that's a I think that's a fair argument. I also think did any of those type of players really get moved <laughs> at the deadline? Can we can we compare it? Like Montrez Harrell's not that. That wasn't a high price that, right, that right, they had to pay right, for him, right. but but Harold is not a a strong interior rebounder. He's not a strong athlete out on the. He's perimeter a terrible defensive. defender, right? Yeah. So I actually was looking up some of his defensive numbers. Pretty good in, in terms of very Nas Reed like. Yeah, actually, <laughs> good good point. Well, honestly, similar player to Nas Reed in terms of like romance. Right. Like that's where he would bring his his value better than Nas, but right. yeah. Yeah, but he's got the tsunami effect. Every now and then, he'll just blow you away with, like, right. uh, you know, right. a two- or three-game stretch where he's like – I mean, there was a time where there was a legit conversation as to which which of uh, 
Lou Williams or yep. Montrez was the was sixth man of the year. Wasn't I mean, that like came a year ago? <laughs> One of these COVID like, years, maybe three, two. I think two. But it was it was it was the it was the overachieving Clippers team. Yep. So it had to be pre Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Tre- again, Trez isn't a bad player at all. But he, he does a couple of things. He's a great rim runner, and he is great at getting to the rim and finishing. I just, I mean, those are just not a no brainer like, fit. Not a no brainer. He's fit. like a three point specialist. Only he's an interior guy. Yep. But I mean, he does one thing extremely well, and and you know, hats off to him. But the Wizards didn't want it anymore, mm-hmm. even after he destroyed this team. And so, uh, and, and you know, it's it's fair to say. We, we've ranged far afield, and, uh, but I will say that outside of Portland and Washington, I didn't see very many just abject punters this time. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I mean, Portland, Portland is literally trying to get everybody but Dame Lillard off the roster. Right. I mean, that's their, that's their goal. And Washington, you know. Well, Britt, you got it. Like, they, they put Beal's hand under a hammer and made sure he wasn't going to play anymore. <laughs> and then, you know. And, and, and traded for Chris Dapps. Everybody else is out the door, you know? Right. Davis Burton's right. You, I mean, they did get Porzingis. So, you know, I mean, obviously they. I'll be curious to see how much he plays this year, um, the rest of the year. But, but I mean, a big factor in trade deadlines, as we've learned both of these now two seasons, is the advent of the play-in. And right. you kind of got to, like, if you're not, like, if you're going to be a seller, you sell, you know? And because if you're Portland or something and and the goal has pretty clearly shifted to like, you know, getting in the mix in the lottery, like you got some competition down there with with, you know, the OKC's and the Houston's and the Detroit's of the league. Like they're already down there and they're going to you know be doing their best to get even lower as the season goes on. So I think just like broadly, trade deadlines are going to be different now. And and I think we've already felt that here in in these in these past two years, I mean, the Kings relevant, but the Wolves just playing them. They basically just did the exact same thing. The Chicago Bulls did a year ago right. where they traded right. for Vucevic to like try and make the play in. And, you know, they'll probably optimistically hope that they can, you know, parlay that in the summer into what the Bulls did this summer by, you right. know, by making it happen. But yeah, it, it's, it's all just, it's all just kind of different because probably what, 24 teams in the league 25 maybe still fancy themselves as in the play-in mix um right and so so those teams just aren't going to necessarily be as willing to like pedal off parts to the wolves for a second round pick exactly and here's i'll make the case for Nas Reed. i'm uncomfortable doing it because you know i'm not a Nas Reed. Uh, guy. you know this is a but, this uh, is a safe space for Nas <laughs> Reed. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, we're actually just literally like flipping, you know, it's like the mirror show or whatever. Uh, But um, Nas Reed, the Wolves can play the exact same way. They can run all their same sets that they run with Cat, with Nas. I mean, he's as close as you're going to get at $2 million a year to a Cat facsimile, Mm -hmm. you know. And... um, I don't know how his defensive numbers are as good. You as asked they are Finch. You asked Finch about that last week. Tell the tell the people what I know, Finch said. I know. Say what say what the line Finch was. He said he was a good shot blocker. good shot blocker. But he was reaching. You could tell that, that is an accurate stat, though. That's an accurate stat. That is an accurate stat. Yeah, it is an accurate stat. He can block shots. But 
when I asked him, I said, what aren't we seeing? Hmm. And you know, Chris Finch, when Chris Finch has an answer, he gives you like four things you never thought of. He gave us like the two things that we already know about Nas. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like there wasn't added. In other words, it is it remains kind of a mystery. Now, don't bump me off my defense here, <laughs> which is that, you know, which is that Nas, get, you can play the same way with Nas that you play with Cat in terms of the sets. And I think there's some value in that, that continuity. And secondly, um, as you know, you're one of the reasons you like him so much. He's a great worker. He's a good clubhouse guy. Uh, he tries really hard. He doesn't complain too much. No, man, I mean, give he, his he, give his skill some shine. I mean, he is. Yeah. He has very he's, he's good. He's a finesse player. Yes, yes. And yeah, I recognize I mean, all the weaknesses too. We've we've talked he about. He went it behind at, the back the other night. I mean, that was kind of fun. He he's got like Nas Reed yeah. is is in the top half of the team and straight up handle, just yeah. handle in space. True. He is right, right. He, he right. is, and I I have I have no problem with with Nas Reed, you know, staying and, and being the backup center. But what is the gap then? Why don't I mean you and I both know what the gap is, but you tell me why this team would be better served with the kind of backup five you're thinking of. I I don't even know how much they would. I think there's an opportunity cost you have to factor into that because if you do go but they can they do get bodied. I mean yeah when Nas is in the game, people do beat them up. Effectively, if you go get a, a that's backup five body X, Alex Len was the one we talked about last time. I hate him. Yeah. Right. Okay. So perfect. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> but you you would agree that you know Alex Len would rebound the ball at a substantially higher clip than Nasri would, correct? Na- Probably. Nas is a really poor I defensive know. rebounder. I know. But I agree. you. The opportunity cost is you give up, I think, a lot on offense if yeah. it with Len, you know, to, to Nas there. And again, th- and this has to be somewhat considered, cat going down for like two weeks or something. If you don't have Nas, then you you have you have Nate Knight and you have that Alex Len guy. I mean, that's a that is those are complete those are different, very different type of players. Then Cat, right. at least Nas could fit in with that group to some extent and, and a poor, poor man's version of Cat. Like there, there's there's a there's a value not only in his offense, but I think to Nas's continuity when compared against these low level bigs that could come. And in. we haven't seen I think it's fair to say, and I'm not a Nas guy as I keep repeating, but we haven't seen his ceiling either. You know, I mean I do think that two years from now, Nas will be a better player than he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's, you know, and by the way, we'll still be making like, what, two, four or something? I mean, something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. no, Yeah, next year he has, but they have a team option on him for like one nine or something. And then he becomes, you know. That, then he'll probably get like four. I, I mean, but also too, again, as as the, the Nas Reed optimist, like there's been there's been cases of players just like Nas Reed who end up getting ten million bucks. Rashawn Holmes, right? That was, he had sort of the yeah. exact same arc, Philly to Phoenix, and then you know goes to Sacramento. Once he kind of starts hitting the beginning of his prime, he ends up getting a twelve million dollar contract. Daniel Gafford, 
in in Washington is, is similar <laughs> to that know. too. Seriously, I know. And he I ends know. up in. I mean, what's he getting like <clears throat> eight mil or something? Like, I'm not going to be shocked if Nas Reed's next contract is for like. But you seven are mentioning million. two of the stupidest front offices in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, but that Holmes deal's not bad. I mean, that Holmes deal is not bad. I actually like Holmes. Yeah, but I mean, Thank Sacramento. You. It never, <laughs> never, never a great dude. It was so that that first day here, like just in the media room and stuff around, so depressing. The, all the Kings media people were just were just so dire, and you know about about that Halliburton trade. And then, I mean, I don't know how much this showed up on TV, but night and day different environment in like the arena. Like the arena was right. legit, like loud last night when they lost. Hey, I have to say that um, Halliburton was pretty polished coming out of college. I don't know how much better he's going to get. I I actually think that I mean he's not going to be bad, old, but yeah, yeah. But the whole argument against that trade is you're trading uh, the present for the future. Um, it isn't like Sabonis is like this grizzled old guy, For sure. you know, and, and big, see, he has a game that can, you know, can sustain seven years from now. It would not surprise me if it, uh, maybe I should back it up five years, four years from now, four or five years from now. I think that Sabonis could still could be a better player than Halbert. Um, I don't think that's crazy. I, I think what people really got caught up in that. And deal. Buddy Heald, you wanted to get rid of. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've seen enough of Buddy Heald, man. I, that yeah. guy, you know, Davis Bertans. I like Davis Bertans more than Buddy Heald. Let's put it that way. Similar. Yeah. He's taller and, and he's had more consistency. Uh, this is his only shitty year. Right. Oh, he's well. We can we can talk about him too if we as we get to Porzingis. Let's uh. Let, let, I love Davis Baton. I I know you do. I know you do. Um, it's Davis. It's Davis. Is he like six eight? At least he's big. At least I had the. I didn't call him by another person's name. David Berton. I just mispronounced his name. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit more Kings. Let's get a break in here though first. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology, strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20by20solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back with Britt Robson of MidPost. We're bouncing around a little bit. We're we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about the trade deadline. Um honestly, I do want to talk more about the, the that Kings game last night though to uh mix it in yeah. because I I took last night I talked all about Ants knee. I talked all about the deadline. Did not oh, dig man, into that's... the game. 
That's a weird storm cloud there. I don't know. Um, yeah. What what part do you want to hit on? We can we can we'll we'll hit it all. I want to hit on the fact that Ant basically put himself into the conversation post game. I mean, walked in while Cat was there. Clearly wanted to proactively say before any other words got uttered by too many other people hmm. that he's been hurt yeah. and he has been in pain and. All of a sudden, it's miraculously better tonight, but it might not be tomorrow. I mean, clearly, he does not like the way other people have been talking about his knee. He preferred not to talk about his knee, but now that everybody else has talked about yeah, his knee. Yeah, but he brought it up. He's brought it up a couple times over the past. He's brought it up, but he, he's brought it up in an ant-like way. True. You know? I mean, very true. Uh, I, and, and Finch called him out. I mean, Two day, games ago, Finch just basically said, "If he's got an injury, he needs to be more honest about it." Yep, I think is that's a direct quote. Honest word. was the word. Yep. Okay, and so there's that, and then he also said the multiple effort isn't there. That's what Finch said. Okay. I mean, mm -hmm. so it clearly he, he said in four or five different ways, Ant is not giving full effort. Right, and uh, and and that. But was, you would agree that, that part of that. Part of it, and maybe it's not every night that part of him of Ant not giving multiple efforts. Well, I, I would say that's for sure part of it, but part of it has to be this injury. And as I understand it, right. it's like yeah, the exactly. some nights it's worse than it is is others. It's a but that's what I mean. Finch did not want to. Finch basically made him say that I'm I'm hurt, um, yeah. and then I mean all this weirdness. And you alluded to it on Twitter, but I, as you know, I just don't listen to podcasts. It isn't anything personal against you. I, I, know, listen to I, know, I know, I know, I know. But, but so, um, but I, so I'm sure you got into this, but, um, and we didn't get D'Lo on the post game feed. Uh, so I don't know, but I did read the quote from Chris in the paper today about, or somebody in the paper today yeah. about, uh, or maybe you on Twitter. Anyway, somebody said, D'Lo said, screw that, you know, let's go to the next game or something. Yeah. And, he said, and I don't want to hear that shit. That's but, no. <laughs> well, and wonderful timing, given that he just got through saying like 72 hours ago, I let this, I wasn't that hurt. It wasn't that big an injury. It was just painful. And I was just taking my time to get back, making sure it was right. Well, <laughs> if you want to apply that standard to yourself, then you damn well better apply it to Ant. And if Ant says, I'm hurt, guess what? You can't be a hypocrite about that. I know. It you was, have let, to say, let me, okay. So, so what it, what like this setup? Cause again, like how they set it up, if you're on the road, one of the players, it's, I don't know, it's like, so if you're on the road, you get special access. It's not on the Zoom call. I know. Whatever. I know. So you get to be in the club. Yeah. So I, I, for this time, I was in the club last night and, and I think important context, which you can attest to because Delo's like, you've seen him be like this too. It was absolutely a night. He wanted nothing to do with media. Uh, yeah. he, he came in and he was like, you still need me? He played me? great in the team loss. Exactly. And he's in the middle of his uh, bang the drum for fan involvement. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So I, I get the context. Yeah. And, and so I, I, as I was walking back to my hotel from the thing, I'm like, Okay, this was all weird. Ant says that. Cat comes out with like, you and know, a total professional, waves right. the flag every which <laughs> way, and then D'Lo enters the room and and he says that. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh man, what if they would have just won this game? 
you know, like we it, it, there's a totally different tenor to, to all of this because I get I mean, I get it from the fans. It, it You put those quotes up against each other and it looks bizarre. And, and then you, if you factor in what Finch has said and how ants how ant is, it's it just all like doesn't it doesn't come together well. And it's a recipe for making a mountain out of a molehill, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you can't ignore the possibility that there is a mountain there. Because it's ant. Because it's ant. And and like right. and and it's a knee and and we aren't, you know, we aren't and it's a jumper's, it's a jumper's injury. Yeah. I and again too, there, there's all this confusion because this knee had been bothering him before he cracked it on another player's knee in the Brooklyn game and he went down and everybody saw that. that. Right, right. So, right. I mean, those are getting piled together like this tendinopathy with a knee not like those are two separate things, you know, right. that just happened, you know, it they both happened to be to the knee. So, again, Mountain Molehill, it does still matter. It's just I don't know. I I would push back on anybody who's really freaking out about this that it's some sort of discord and disdain yeah no it's like it's what we always talk about it's the three best players on this team are all cool with each other they just have the three most different personalities you you could you could imagine (laughs) and that's fine right right, and that's fine like i i i mean honestly i used to be more concerned about that i probably was you know coming into the season i'm like "Mm," you know how does this all work together but it's worked you know and and i I, I can I've seen those guys all interact enough t- to say that as people, they're cool. They're all cool with each other. Right. And I mean, I. Yeah. It, so it, it's the, the, the serious oar in the water there to me was Finch. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's the always the most that, honest. Well, he 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 felt compelled to say pretty much to Ant, play your game or sit out. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, right. I mean, and what what made that even crazier is that Ant said, "I'm tonight. I was great." Well, that's because Ant's looking at the point side of the box score. Yeah, Ant 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 uh, was not stellar on defense last night. But you know what's um, funny, man? I, I thought, and I went back and watched this too. Was remember how bad the Detroit game was? The second Detroit, this the the Sunday game. And right. and and he doesn't. I thought all of the last four games have been bad on defense. I, no, I think right. that game Ant actually was. It was after he talked about. Oh, you mean just specific to Ant? Yeah, yes, just, I, I agree. He, he Ant, was like Ant, super Ant, intentional about it. Was, was better, right? So I don't know. I think, and this is what probably brings up the youth factor of it is his engagement in specific areas of the game. Given that he's twenty years old, and given just his personality makeup, I think that's going to waver. And I think right. that's happening intermixed with this injury that wavers in nature. Right. And it's just all shaking up to be a cocktail that looks like a mountain when I think it's all more likely a molehill. Uh-huh. And and, and he can I rest. Trust, uh, go ahead, rest, man. Like, go ahead and rest exactly. a couple of games. That's fine. That That's the part Take that's the on him if he wants to. Rising Stars game on. Sure. Please. You know, I mean... Yeah. Are you kidding me? The fact that he's there is an insult anyway. Well, well, well let's see. You know, let's see what happens. The injury report just came yeah. out again. He's questionable again to play tomorrow. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe he doesn't play in, in Chicago. We'll, we'll, well see. I mean, after that whole thing, I think the best thing to do is just kind of make him, you know, allow him to chill for a while just so 
um, what they say he has, what some medical person has written down on a piece of paper that's been disseminated, is that he has a, a, an issue that is a painful thing that isn't serious, mm -hmm. but is play hindering. Right. And so let's clean that up. Right. I mean, you know, it's not it's not rocket science here. And yes, the Bulls are a huge step up from their last four or five games. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I do think it's important that Ant get the space and the respect. He doesn't know how to play this right now. You can tell that mm -hmm. Ant wasn't his usual self in front of the microphone last night. He was he was nervous. Basic. He was nervous. He was he was exactly uh, one was uh, probably for the only time you know uh, only time I can remember. And so I think that's. That's revealing. And I think that um, I think he really wanted to play well in the first quarter and as a result got 15. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he can still do that. But I also think that, um, you know, he the knee probably bothered him in transition on defense. He wasn't great in transition. None of them were last night, actually. I'll be frank. And also some of that, it should be pointed out. Finch's dictum about, you know, killing the offensive glass against a team like Sacramento, that's a bad match. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a um with Fox and some of those other guys, they they just because they have Fox, they just naturally think to run all the time off off misses. As they should. Yeah. And so as they should. And so when a team is crashing the offensive glass and not getting the rebounds. Yeah, Vando you know, had zero gonna, offensive. Yeah. Vando, I will tell you, Vando, um, there, there's a column that is poised for me. I'm not going to do it yet. But Vando's not the same guy lately. He just hasn't been as impactful. And some of it has to do with his added role on offense, hmm. it seems to me. I don't know why. I think it's and fatigue. I don't know if I, I mean, I, no, I, I, I think, and, and Finch has, he's hit the rookie wall because he's never really had a rookie season. Sure. I, I think, I mean, Finch has said publicly, uh, I, I've talked to him too. Like, he's like, yeah, Vando's pretty banged up right now. Like not to the point where, you know, he can't play and he wants to play it. And, and not that he, again, not even a situation like, oh, they, he should be sitting, right. but like, again, just like physical fatigue. And of course that makes sense watching you know, the way that Jared Vanderbilt plays basketball, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. And I think I brought this up to you before, but I think one of the like, I, I'm so glad I, I did this, that the show with Adam Mares, who covers the Denver Nuggets before the season, because he had such a good point when we were talking about this, de the Denver Nuggets and how the Wolves were trying to emulate right. that that system. And he was like, which I, this was news to me. Adam was like. Yeah, no, we they've had some good defensive seasons since they did that. He goes, they were never good end to end. Every time they started hot defensively, big old lull in the middle of the season, and then they turned it back up when playoff when playoff seeding came at the end of the season. It was like thirty games of hot, thirty games of cold, twenty games of hot. You know, and and that has that is totally materializing with the Timberwolves. Yeah. And 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 I think like, is there is there a better like um, microcosm 
of the of the Timberwolves defense than Jared Vanderbilt? Like, no. I mean, he is right, right. that. He right. we talked so long he's about the talisman. He's the, he's the he's he the Paul Millsap. The, I've called him. I've called him the lungs and the hamstrings of this defense. Yeah. I mean, he, Pat Bev is the brains or the heart, whatever you want to call it. But the lungs and the hamstrings, the things that make you have, the things that translate energy into athleticism, that's what Vando brings to that defense. He, yeah. And and I'm not surprised that the hamstrings got tired. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that, that doesn't lungs. shock I mean, me. Yeah. Two things that, you know, yeah. I mean, when, you're, when your lungs are tired, you don't do shit. And when your hamstrings are hurting, you don't do shit. You I, know? But at the same time, too, even if we're calling this stretch of time a bit of a lull for Vando, like I, I said something during the, the first Kings game to Chris Hine, who I was sitting next to him. I was like, man, Vando, this is kind of like sleepy Vando here in the first quarter. And and I was like, maybe he just needs to rest a little bit. And then good point by Chris. He goes like a couple minutes later, he points at the stat sheet. That's the first half. And he goes, Vando has eight rebounds. And I'm like, all right, fair. Like he does. Like, even if right. this is a lull, you could kind of argue that Vando is statistically, you know, playing as well as he was before because the offense. But here's my counter argument. My counter argument is Vando was signed to a sweetheart deal, I should add, but he was signed because he plays winning basketball. And then in the beginning of the season, when he wasn't playing winning basketball, part of it was he wasn't in the starting lineup. Then they put him in there. Then he found his role. And all of a sudden, he's playing great winning basketball. Well, right now, Vando, again, is not translating. I mean, everybody has a positive net rating over this last, yeah. since January 3rd, because they're 13 and 6. But Vando's net rating is down in, I think it's ninth of 11 players. And I saw last night when Finch, uh, after the game, was talking about first rotation was good, but second rotation wasn't. Mm. The problem is Vando commits so hard on his first rotation that second rotation is tough for him. He got he got killed on a couple of those closeouts where you could tell he hustled, but he was hustling from a, a ridiculous distance, or he was trying to double down on, he was being low man, from a, a, a you know second low man in the possession yeah. um, to the place where he just couldn't get there, and so as a result, Vando, you know, having known, I, I I watched the game and then woke up this morning and rewatched it because I said last night I just wanted to just take the game in, mm -hmm. and then this morning I analyzed it as I watched and um, looked for what I knew was going to happen you know with these defensive breakdowns and a lot of it was vando um not being able to get to where he wanted to get to and i don't know if that's the equivalent of a great free safety being like the nearest guy to the ball because he's got good instincts and it wasn't his play but i do know that vando looked like the culprit on a lot of those uh breakdowns on defense would you say I, I haven't rewatched it would you say the breakdowns from Vando came more in the first half or the second half first I thought it was really interesting last night given Patrick Beverly not the second quarter yeah. yeah yeah um it okay so so you're playing the, this Kings team and your three things you got to worry about are DeMontis Sabonis 
Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox. And how the Wolves came out was they put Cat on Sabonis, Vando on Harrison Barnes, McDaniels on Fox. And then the second half, they switched Van Sabonis had a big first half. Cat had three fouls. Cat had foul trouble. Right. They switched Vando onto Sabonis, slide Cat right. over to Metsu, nothing. Which which led to this weird one of Harrison Barnes or Deer and Fox are now going to be defended by Ant, a a lesser defender, particularly so with this knee, apparently. Right. And, right. and what it, it ended up being was that Fox, that Fox or or Barnes were able to kind of like get theirs depending on which one was guarded by Ant and which one was guarded by McDaniels because that was the shift. So I I think I think it was in in a lot of ways an example of not having Patrick Beverly and how how valuable that is. I agree with that. I, I think Vando probably doesn't look as bad as you're suggesting if Beverly's able to play in that game. Not to mention. What Chris Finch mentions persistently every single time they have a bad defensive game is containing the ball on ball and and getting you know and getting into that defender there. I mean that. And I questioned him about that because when I went over the tape of the first Sacramento game, um, where he said we had some terrible defense in the first half, but we fixed it in the second half, and they did. They were much better. But I wasn't. I was noticing a lot of uh, interior passing in the paint that were getting all those points in the first half. And you asked Fitch Sacramento. about that, and he said there was the space and the coverage. He, he doubled down. He basically yeah. said it's still on ball coverage. Yeah. You son of a bitch. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I agree with that. What I said, I agree with you that. And, and and I guess I I still was seeing though that. Um, it felt like I think I, Brent, think, I think Finch's off- point is that if you don't have that ball containment, then all these other things are going wrong. So you're seeing other things going wrong, but he's saying, you know, that that was the the striking Which, of the match. I mean, that or what I would call the Jeff Teague factor. I mean, you know, there really is that, you know, when the dribble penetration is ridiculous, it, it, the dike breaks. But I thought it was more than that. I actually thought that um, it was more. It was. It was. No, you're not wrong. I, 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 I thought that uh, the the even without even with a bunch of scrubs. First of all, uh, Meta had a pair of great games. I mean, he really looked good in both of those games. And how about that goaltending, though? I know. Oh man, don't get me started on the rest. I mean, Jim Pete just went. What's funny is the Jim Pete. One of the things I love about Jim Pete is he doesn't take the bait most of the time. But um, now that it's become apparent to everybody that this team really is an overachieving team that may be doing something special, people are giving them all kinds of benefits of the doubt. And the Ben's Peterson team. Are giving them, they didn't even talk about the defense in that first Sacramento game, and that defense was just mm-hmm. awful. Um, and and they were talking about how the points they were getting off turnovers, and that is true. And the second chance points, that is true. But they were still getting murdered. Yeah, on, the defense, on the defense didn't seem as bad because they were generating a lot of turnovers. But 
a lot of those turnovers were just the Kings throwing the ball away too. They and and another thing we should mention about the bench, and you know it's been an easy angle for me, and I wrote a column about the bench, and it's hard to deny that the bench has been spectacular, but they're playing teams that. If you have a terrible starting unit, imagine what the bench is like, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, I mean, they're playing the Pistons and the Kings. Yeah. The first game against the Kings where all their bench was in the starting lineup, you know? So, right. it's just, you know, it, it's, yes, it's true that Malik Beasley was going to be a flamethrower against Golden State or anybody. I mean, when a three-point shooter is hot, the way Beasley is hot, that's going to translate. But a lot of the other things that happened from the bench, um, I think were the product of an inferior competition. Yeah. And that probably, you know, not to take away from J-Mac, but, you know. Love J-Mac. Love J-Mac. But a lot of, again, his his whole crazy assist to turnover ratio and crazy plus minus does come against a lot of it comes against the Pistons bench, the Pistons bench, the Kings bench in those three games. The and if you if you have a second string perimeter defender who wants to cut off the head of the snake in the second unit, I think J Mac, it's not, you know, the, the the guy is five nine. I mean, you know, I know he's listed at five eleven or whatever, but at the end of the day. He can be bullied, and that's one of the reasons he does play so fast. It's to his advantage to, to run away, face, <laughs> yeah. and not face set up. You do not want him facing yeah. set up defenders because they're all bigger than he is. Right. And so, um, anyway, uh, I got off on that because let me get I let me get one think, more let me get one more break in, here, right. and then we'll we'll come back and we'll, we'll keep meandering. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, back again for a final segment with Britt Robson of MinPost. We've we've navigated the inactivity at the trade deadline, um, talked about potentially adding a big in the buyout market, even if that matters or not. Um, the whole ant knee drama talked about some of the fatigue from this team defensive drop off lately that has been covered up by very good offense. I mean, we, we shouldn't brush yes. over that. The offense has been, that's right. The offense has been excellent. Um, I guess maybe, maybe let's start there with the, the idea that can this team be as good as it is offensively and as good as it was defensively? No. Hmm. That's depressing. Well, I mean, you're talking uh, top two off. You're talking about a number two offense and a number eight defense. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to happen. That's fair. Uh, this team this team is not a 50-win team. Um, this team, um, we need to have some perspective. The column I'm going to write tomorrow is um, – What's how will the rest of it play out now that we know what we have, how you know what what what's on the horizon here? What's realistic to think about this team? Mm-hmm. And and to preview the column, my point is that um we have experienced um some spectacular performances on both sides of the ball, but but can we there can we pause re- there? That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they are. What I tweeted out today after the trade deadline is, you've got a twenty nine and twenty six r- roster uh, with twenty seven games to go on a Vegas projected win total of thirty four five. Yeah. So if they win six of their next twenty seven, they'd beaten Vegas. The over wins in Vegas if they go six and twenty-one. So I don't want to hear about you know if only we did this or if only we did that. I think that the people who put this roster together at the beginning of the year and have shepherded this roster to where we are now deserve credit for knowing what the hell they're doing. While you second guessers say they should do this or do that, just should you know shut the fuck up and watch for a while, you know. <laughs> Because right now they're 29 and 26 and the easier part of the schedule is ahead of them. Yeah. You know, they play 15 of their last 26 or something at home. Oh, is that true? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been on the road twice, you know, really long, you know, oh, the whole month of January, they were on the road. Now they're in the middle of a, what, a, a four game road trip, five game road trip yeah. or four out of five anyway. Um, and so, and they played a lot of the tough teams. They still have some to go, but um, in general, I think that the danger is going to be not so much that they will get worse, but that 
some of the teams below them that have a lot more at stake in terms of uh, win or you'll be changed are going to get better. Like the Pelicans and the Clippers. Pelicans and the Clippers. And don't discount the Lakers. Yeah. Just LeBron's – I mean, put it this way. Everybody is going to want to make the the run for sixth. And the Wolves right now are in seventh, which means that they're, you know, like right in that little scrum. And even the Kings. I mean, let's face it. No, 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 no. No, I'll give you the Lakers. I will. I will. I will. I will give you the Lakers. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean. I'm looking at the standings well, every day. Yeah, for right, sure. Right. I, I'm I'm considering that. I mean, I'm acknowledging the Clippers. I think will play better basketball the the rest of the season. Paul George, you know, potentially coming back. Um, I think there's a pretty big Pelicans gap. I don't think they have as much talent as a team like the Lakers do. So I'm not saying it's I like likely. The Pelicans. I, I know. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and we'll we'll see. It's that there's a lot. That's a lot of new going on there. I, I do think there is a legitimate chance that one of those three teams are able to catch and pass the Wolves for sure. But let's also look at the other side of it here. Denver is for sure, for sure within striking distance. I think I I'll I'll say this right now. I think the Wolves are going to finish with a better record than Denver. I, I don't think that that for sure guarantees the six. Where where are we with Murray? We are still in, question mark i mean i heard christmas you know at one point in time you know and and i I don't know i've watched a good chunk of denver over the past month too and it's i mean honestly it's kind of similar to the wolves where it's the offense has been really good and the defense is is bad i don't think they have i I know they don't have the defensive upside that the wolves do though so i mean that's a for, for denver to i mean for denver to stay above the wolves i think Jokic has to maintain this MVP or second best player, maybe behind Embiid level of play, which is which is certainly possible. I just I w- one and a half games behind Denver right now. I'll take the Wolves over Denver, but when the when the season ends, and that's bold. I, I I'll take Denver. All right, let's but bet. I, I, what I, we, think, I think let's bet lunch. Let's bet lunch. Let's bet lunch. Okay, we'll bet lunch. I bet okay. I bet uh, okay. better record for the season. Uh, Wolves Kings with Pierre, right. and I feel like that one's locked in here too. <laughs> You took, was he drunk? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell me the truth. No, it was it was at the season opener right. for the first time they played the Kings. All right, all right. Um, I thought it might have been at that um, you know that place that used to be Murray's. Oh yeah, where we at? Yeah, where, the old where he was drinking the fancy drinks yeah, 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 that the yeah, guy yeah. was handing out. I hope Pierre's I mean, he listening got hammered. to this. I, I hey, offered to give him a ride home. Okay, can we go on beyond Denver too? I, I'm taking the Wolves sure. over Denver, acknowledging the possibility that the Clippers. Um, the Lakers or the Pelicans are in striking distance of the Wolves too. So over Denver doesn't guarantee the six at all, but I'm curious how, how within striking, I know Dallas. That's an interesting thing. I mean, you get on that Davis, what's his name? Davis. David Davis. Davis Davis for Tom's train. That's a tough one. And, It's a slow train right now. There's no doubt about it. But sounds I mean, did, it wasn't a blues. It wasn't a, a blues <laughs> singer. But slow train sounds like a blues song. <laughs> he 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 has had an awful year, uh, and I had to look up just to make sure I 
I always thought he was a good player. And I looked up his stats today. He's had a great year every year, but this one, I mean, his, his off on off has been great. He's never been below 37, three from deep. He's 31, nine. You know, you year. know what he's doing? He's doing the Malik Beasley. I, I was looking it up. I was looking up Beasley's per 100 possessions, three point volume this year. Um, after the first Kings game and too much at Beasley's, you know, Beasley's third in the league in, in volume in that. But, right. but the other guy, the guys who are in that top six are Curry, Duncan Robinson, Malik Beasley, third, Buddy Heald, Jordan Clarkson, and Davis Bertans. Those are the six highest volume three point shooters in the league. So when I saw that Porzingis trade go through today, I thought about Bertans through the Beasley lens where everyone's, you know, bagging on Bertans and how, because you know, right. he hasn't had a good year. But right. similarly to what we are learning with Malik Beasley is the pendulum can swing. And if your volume is insanely high as, as Beasley's and Bertans is, you need to lower the bar of expectation and from 40%. And if you're on the court with Luka Doncic, yes. I, I, odds are you're going to get I don't, threes in rhythm. I don't hate that trade for Dallas at all, and I feel like I I I, I tweeted out that I thought Bertans was a sleeper in that deal. I mean, I really I'm not saying they killed made, it. Like let, let's not say that this is he made no 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 because I like Porzingis too, yeah. but he I think Bertans may be unlocked by Luca. I just think I think it's a yeah. I think it's a good gamble. Let's put it that way. And Dinwiddie's been bad this year too, and we aren't even I, we're, we're not exactly. even talking about the contracts and stuff into this, which is a huge part. Porzingis has been bad. Yeah, you know, well, three bad players, you know. Porzingis is having the best year out of the three of those guys by far. So that that trade was about contracts and stuff like that. We're talking about this. Not been that helpful to his team, it seems to me. I, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Dallas. I've seen like maybe. I mean, it's been way of, better than last year. Way better. Is his on, but is his on off really good? I haven't. I, haven't I think in the last last ten so. or twelve games I've seen of Dallas, they seem to be uh, better when he's not on the floor. You know, when they go smaller and Hardaway's out there. They they um, had been good in earlier in the season, I know for sure. Um when Luca was when Luca was off and Luca was missing time. Yeah, that that isn't happening anymore. Yeah. Luca's been great lately. I'm just saying I, what I've seen. I, right, I would right, guess right. the numbers still reflect that to some degree because it was a, a chunk of time. Right. Oh, I see what you mean. Right. But right. again, I'm not and and honestly, I haven't put enough thought or looked no, into the contract. No, we both agree that Dallas. I think Dallas will get a bump from this trade. That and and I and I, I don't know if that's a universally accepted you know opinion right now. That I I think people will look at Porzingis, the best player in the trade, going out. Um, I I think there I think there's a world where Bertans goes on you know. Get bumps up to Beasley level, you know, sort of. Or Spurs. Remember Spurs Bertans? Oh, yeah. The guy was a mad bomber. Spurtons. He was fabulous. (laughs) He was so much fun to watch. Um, And then then Dinwiddie. The Dinwiddie part of that, too. Like, I mean, I... I, He could be something, right? You you see what the value of that extra ball handler out there is um, when Jalen Brunson. And Jalen Brunson's been starting for them and, and what that can provide. I think there's sneaky value in that. Now, I don't know. Like, Dinwiddie's having a terrible year. He's also coming off of injury, you know. So maybe it's right. it's unrealistic. Right. I think it's more likely that Bertans bounces back to what he was than what Dinwiddie I bounces agree. back to that. I agree. I think I think of all three players, the guy who's going to be much better than he was before 
is Bertrand. I agree with that. And the other factor. Let's talk about Harden. Okay, go ahead. I, I, I want to talk about Harden and Simmons too, though. Yeah. Well, the last thing I want to mention on the Dallas thing, because again, okay. relevant for the okay. Wolves listeners thinking about potentially getting to Dallas. I'm putting a big old like highlighter over the Tim Hardaway injury there too. He broke his foot. That right. dude is super important to the current Luca culture that they have set on the floor right now too. So, so let's you know let let's know. Well, just remember those back to back games they played against the Wolves. He was crucial. He, I mean, that's his game. He's he's never. Right. He still isn't what they need. Like Dallas needs no. just all of these different types of options. he's still upgrades. making too much money. But what, remember when that trade was made, everybody was just saying, great trade for Dallas. They just have to hold their breath until this mm-hmm. Hardaway deal ends, you know? Right. Uh, and then Hardaway turned out to be one of the better things, you know, maybe more than yeah. Porzingis in terms of, you know. Oh, he helps. And so you you never know what's going to happen, you know? Um. Yeah, let's do uh, let's do Ben Simmons. Um, I've been reading this stuff about how Philly <laughs> made out in that trade. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding? Uh, the Nets just killed that trade. Yeah, you put Ben you put Ben Simmons between a healthy KD and Kyrie, and have Curry come off the bench the way Joe Harris was supposed to until he got hurt. And you have picks. Brooklyn having picks is like insanity. The the only way you get guys like Simmons, KD, and Kyrie is if you have no picks forever, you know? And all of a sudden, uh, it's just, I can't believe how how well um, the GM there just killed that deal. And everybody is praising Maury for waiting and he got a superstar James Harden. Let me tell you, um, James Harden may be motivated now that he's with yet another fresh group of people to let down, but um, they have chemistry issues they have to worry about now. I mean, Tobias Harris isn't going to see the ball much. I like it more than you do. Yeah, I, I don't. Right. I don't disagree that the Nets part of it they made out well with, and and I'll uh, before a compliment, I'll, I'll highlight highlight the negative. I, I think this Harden trade three years from now will look a lot like the Westbrook for Chris Paul trade, where right. remember the the Rockets also gave up two firsts. Daryl Morey gave up two right. firsts for Russell Westbrook, sending out Chris Paul as well. That has you, that can't age. He really any has worse. become an idiot, hasn't he? <laughs> I, but but at the same time, the reason I don't hate it as much is is based on the odds of winning a championship this year or next year with with Embiid and Harden. I I think there's you just traded within your division to one of the few teams that's better than you. I don't know how great that strategy works. I I think I, I, dude I I I'm the the Nets part of it the Nets part. They got better. They they killed that. I I I acknowledging that. But if you're sitting there, Daryl Morey, and he is certainly some desperation, just like he was desperate again with the Westbrook trade. But desperation is warranted with Joel Embiid, right now. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. And I just like I, I'm I'm fascinated to watch. I mean, I'm going to watch as many of these Philly games as I can here here coming up to see what that looks like because I don't know. 
I don't fit is obviously, you know, a, a question there. Talent on the Sixers this season and next season is is not a concern. They the bill will need to be paid for this move down the road, just like the bill needed to be paid by the Rockets down the road when they traded Westbrook and two and two or Chris Paul and two firsts for Russell Westbrook. That's going to come. The Sixers are going to suck eventually because of this trade, just like the Rockets suck right now. But the hope, if you're Philly, is that that's further down the line when Embiid is like 31 years old. Okay, but let me stop you for a second and say that the bill for the Nets is suddenly lightened somehow, and yet they salary-wise... The point being that why is the bill so heavy when James Harden joins your team? It was, yeah, it's too because, much. It was, it was, they paid too much. And James Harden is not a reliable performer right now. We have to say that. I mean, he took the game off when the Wolves played the Nets the other night. Um, you know, uh, probably about three weeks ago now, but it was still, if James Harden had played the way Gate James began. Harden, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, again, you know. <laughs> or or continued or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. But James Harden, um, we don't know what the new interpretations of the rules are going to do to him when it comes to the playoffs, where that style became even more pronounced. Embiid also plays that style of begging whistles. Effectively and, and gets whistles. Both of them are effective. Embiid now more effective than Harden. Yes. Harden used to be more effective than anybody. Yes. But both of them still demand the whistle. And at at that stakes, I mean, Wolves fans will immediately flash back to the year that um Rick Adelman had Kevin Martin and Kevin Love and had a net rating that said they were like the seventh best team in the NBA. Yeah, right. And they were and they were 40 and 42. And a lot of it had to do with fourth quarter. Now Adelman fucked some of that up by playing Berea over Rubio in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it had to do with the fact that refs swallow their whistles in crunch time. And if they do that in the playoffs, and Embiid and Harden are the culprits, then Philly is going to underperform. And and you put that into the whole Philly mix. I mean, I get the reason for the trade, first of yeah. all. Let me just say that everybody can look at Philly and go, all right, for all practical purposes, they are right in the mix to come out of the East without having Ben Simmons so you lose big Ben Simmons, you know, BFD. You lose Curry and a couple of picks. Really, what are you talking about? You're talking about losing Curry and Drummond, and you're getting Harden and Millsap. Uh, yeah. That is going to improve Philly. But what I'm saying is Harden is a ball hog, and whatever Harden doesn't want, or can't have, Embiid will take. I mean, Tobias Harris is going to be like a very impoverished man's Chris Bosch. He's going to be a guy Perfect. that will, Perfect. will only hope 
he can only hope to get like eight touches in corner threes. He's cool. going to turn out to be, I don't know. I like Tobias Harris more than you do, obviously. Well, I actually. You're just rearranging the chessboard in a way that you're all focused on your king and queen now, or, I, that, that, or whatever. Your two most powerful pieces. Right. right your right. queen and your rook. Who, who have proven to both be just like so clutch, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know. No, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that I think the, the Sixers are going to, you know, win the championship. I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I think. Especially when they're playing a team, assuming Durant gets better. I mean, I'm immediately a Brooklyn Nets fan after this trade. I mean, I hated the Nets because they had Harden, Harden, Kyrie, and KD was just, that was the Lakers strategy of let's, who gives a shit whether these guys match up in terms of their complimentary talents let's just get talent and all of a sudden brooklyn swaps out harden for simmons you couldn't have it any better you couldn't have it any better in terms of making the three talent guys all better through one move everything harden does well they don't need with Kyrie and kd everything that harden doesn't do well Simmons does do well. Did. And that's. Did well. Yeah. Well. The, you can't totally will, brush over that. I will take Ben Simmons seeing his therapist once a week as a season over James Harden's current season. In terms of what they've done on the court. Because James Harden has sucked out loud. He didn't last year after he got traded to a new team and started to care True. again. I mean. That's right. That's right. That's right. If you if you if you get James Harden, you know, if you if you put a new toy in front of the five year old, the five year old can prove how precocious he is. I agree with that. But I also think that they're playing in Philly. They already are a good team. And Harden is still not really in game shape. Um, A lot of it. It's it's going to be interesting. Everybody thinks there's a lot of pressure on Ben Simmons. There's more pressure on James Harden right now than Jim, than Ben Simmons, in my opinion. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think generally speaking, James Harden is also a better player. Um, clearly, overall, yeah. I would say. Yeah, that's not even know, clearly. Yes, that he's I, clearly I, a better player than. I mean, yeah, I, I disagree. I would re- put it this way. If you ask me who I would rather have on my roster for the next four years, I would not, say Ben Simmons. Not the way I was putting it, but I I, I, I can hear that as <laughs> well, Ben Simmons is 25. Player, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about for the next 27 games and for the playoffs. I think it's very obvious that James Harden is is the better player. Not, not taking away from your fit point on Brooklyn. Let's revisit this in a month. Yeah, I, let's revisit this in a month. I actually don't feel I, this all just kind of happened. That should be a lunch bed, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, but that's what I'm going to say. I'm not ready to like firmly set an opinion on, on all, on the Simmons Harden thing. I had spent today, you know, caring about the Wolves right. and, you know, you, right. no, I get, you're seeing I the, the, the reporting on the, the trade and stuff. I haven't even, you know, re- really dug into it. I, it's fair. Enough. It's just being, it's being totally like stamped as a massive win for Brooklyn. And it's, it is stampable from a long-term perspective as a massive win for Brooklyn. I I've actually that. seen a lot of uh, celebratory crowing in Philly, just partly because Simmons is gone, sure. but partly because 
people are celebrating what Moray has wrought with they turned, you know, a, a, a bum Ben Simmons into a top 10 player, James Harden. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Simmons is not a bum and Harden is not top 10 in the NBA right now. Um, I, so, I, would, you know, I think I probably agree with that. I do think that Harden will. I, I think there's a good chance Harden will get back to that. For in the immediate, I think Harden, Harden will be Harden will do his magician Harden things, <laughs> but some of that was taken away by the refs, and some of that has been taken away by age and body neglect. Yep, and some of it is going to be taken away by his surrounding personnel. Indeed, yeah, yeah. I mean, and Tobias Harris. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, the guy Tobias Harris is making like thirty-five million dollars a year. True, not worth it but but he's got that money for a reason he's got that money because he can do things and they are going to waste that aspect of him we'll see again yeah we'll 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 circulate back and that's true that's true i mean i'm forceful about this but i could very well be wrong right totally i mean totally agree and and you know how much i've been i mean i i had brooklyn with a bullet to win the championship last year um, and I couldn't stand them, right? So and now I'm suddenly on the Brooklyn bandwagon. Well, but they're, they're a totally I, different team. I mean, they're a totally different team yeah, after this. Exactly. But they were already That's a totally different team this year too. They're a totally different right. team because of the Kyrie stuff. I mean, right? That and the KD injury. And, yeah, it's it, so it's and 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 let's talk about Lionel. I mean, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge. I almost said Lionel Aldridge, who Lionel also was Hollins. a football player. Oh, wow. Lionel Aldridge is a football player way back when. Mm. Defensive end for the Denver Broncos, I think. I feel like you're probably probably wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> uh, um, we're over an hour. Is is there anything else? I mean, we, we need to hit on Wolves. We're going to end on Lionel Aldridge? Lionel All Aldridge. Right. Well, I guess just, I mean, we got we got Chicago and, and Indiana here to, to wrap up this road trip. Um, Tough one and an easy one, right? Yeah. Yes, but both again, both on the road. Another Sunday day game against Indiana. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I, I feel like I'm leaning into like the the glass half empty with too many of these matchups. I certainly did that with the the Pistons and Kings series, and largely was proven wrong. They went three and didn't one. You, in didn't that you time. say three and one? Actually, I think I did say three and one. But I just there you go. So did I. It, it was. So we're both right. Yeah, it's. It's, you might have said, or even two and two, yeah. but you did say three and one at the end of the yeah. day. If somebody put a gun to your head, you would have said three and one. I, I feel, and to be honest with you, they played like a two and two team. I, I feel good about this Wolves team. I feel as good as I felt about this Wolves Me team too. all season. Um, exactly. If you know, if we had had a consistent like, what do you think the win total will be at the end of the season? You know, I this would be the highest I've ever thought it's going to be. Obviously, they've. They're already at 29, 26. So naturally that's going to happen. But I guess, yeah, maybe I already made my point by saying I think they're going to finish ahead of Denver. Um, yeah. So I, I have some I have some belief. Um, I have some belief in in this big three. I'm I'm more molehill than mountain on the whole ant situation. Uh, that's fair. I, I continue to be increasingly impressed by Chris Finch and Micah Nori and the way that they've they've handled the rotations I think he's a great coach. I, I think with with the bench, we, we highlighted some of the, you know, the, the flies and the ointment of the, you know, they're playing against bad guys. But this 
their second unit guys on Detroit and Sacramento. But the bench has objectively been great in the opportunities they've had. And a lot of it is lineup combinations. And you know, for me, that's a, a been a huge thing going back to last right. year with Saunders. I think the nature of the way that this roster has been put together makes that part of coach that part of this team so critical. And I think Finch continues to to knock that out of the ballpark. You got a team pretty much at full health. You got your continuity chemistry, which a lot of you know people want to scoff at. I half scoff at whatever. But I, I think there I think there's some value continuity on that. Continuity matters. I, I, I think I think continuity matters. I, I think the wolves I think the wolves are gonna be are gonna be just fine. And I think they're they're firmly entrenched in the sixth seed being a a very realistic thing for this team, which is, which season long is, is quite an accomplishment. I imagine that they'll be in the play in game and I think it will be fraught, but I also think that that isn't bad. You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 know, I think that, uh, put it this way, the, the level of competition now is no longer, um, can you get in the play in it's, can you get to six? Yep. And, and I would argue that there are eight, perhaps nine teams. I think where the booby prizes in the Western conference this year is whoever finishes 10th. It could very well be a team that doesn't really want to finish 10th. Um, you know, that will uh, be further reducing its lottery. I mean, if it's the Spurs playing the wolves, yeah, you know, then that's great. You know, if it's New Orleans playing the Wolves, well, that's fraud. Well, you know, I, I've made this mistake, though, too. It's not how it works. The nine and ten play each other and the seven and eight play each other. Ah, winner okay. of okay. winner of nine and ten plays loser of seven, eight. So it doesn't totally okay. work so the, out like that. So if you're seven or eight, you need to lose twice to be out of the playoffs. Yeah. Which. Fair enough. Yeah. And I, I don't know. That's great. We'll, we'll get because so it's not a one and done for seven and eight. No, it's 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 not. And, and that that's a, actually a very good thing to remember. I, I, well, I think the, I don't I can't take too much the credit. The will not go below eighth, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I I did the exact same thing you did, and I talked about it on a pod, and people were like, "What are you doing? That's not how the plate works." I'm like, <laughs> Google. I'm like, oh yeah, I for I know this is all it's this great is all to still get come up and yeah. You know, this is every now and then you know it's good to screw up. Um, all right, Brett, you got your column uh, coming out on Friday at at Min Post, uh, as you said, kind of just about this team for the rest of the season, correct? Yeah, what's the prognosis moving forward? Mm-hmm. I mean, what both in terms of schedule, now that we have a very clear idea of what they have going forward, uh, we have some really interesting uh, benchmarks in terms of what they've done well and what they haven't done well sure. on both sides of the ball. Uh how sustainable is the good stuff? How realistic is the bad stuff? Right, and I, that that is the story for for the you know the rest of this season, and it's uh, that's the big picture story. But it it is a every sort of game sort of thing, which which makes yes. it in, oh, enticing. Yeah. You know, night to night, and tomorrow is tomorrow's the Bulls game. Um, I'll be at that way. I think we go Bulls, Pacers, and then and then back home. So I'll. And you're traveling to Chicago. Are you traveling to Indiana as well? I'm not going to do Indiana. No. Um, uh-huh. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 
I'll be and then well, good for you. I know that you and I had talked about doing Chicago and Indiana on the road. Well, but, I, I would have um, gone if you were to. If, I know. Well, you know, but then COVID it's also the Super is, Bowl. Uh, it's the Super Bowl too, and I was just kind of like, yeah, Super Bowl interests me. No, none at yeah. all. But uh, I, in fact, but I think Lionel just, Lionel Aldridge though is Lionel going Aldridge for a ring. Might be watching if he's not dead. You know. <laughs> Uh, well, um, I'll, I'll read your column tomorrow, and I will. Uh, I'll see you on Tuesday at the game. Sounds good. All right. Till then, he's Britt at Britt Robson on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Dane Moore MBA. Talk to you Friday after the Wolves game. Till then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah, green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you dancing like nobody else around. Yeah.